Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all the shirts all sparkly, spanky clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. Music, wine, and then blue bump, and get on top. The glory hole is like a, a like dick theater of a magic dress. Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. Uh, we're not sluts. We just love love. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another week here at By the By. I was pulling down the wrong volume. And of course, what happens when we start recording a podcast? The dog starts ringing his bells because he's like, I need to go potty outside. Yes, that's right. We have trained our dog, the beautiful Pippin, who you all know, to ring bells when he goes outside because we don't want him crying or barking or doing that thing because we live in an apartment complex. And, you know, it just seems right. the 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 right thing to do. So... Welcome back to a, another episode of By the By. Um, as Angela just said, I'm just going to keep riffing here because Angela has left the, to let the dog out and I don't know what the hell she's doing. Maybe she's taking a pee on the on the grass outside as well. It's going to be exciting to see. I don't know. Maybe um, we don't might have my kink. We, might, we have might have more than a Tootsie Roll to pick up <laughs> once this podcast is done. What what are you saying? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> hey, baby. Hi. <laughs> uh, so we're back. You've missed us. It's mm-hmm. been a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, what a week it's been. So this week we have a very special podcast. But before we get to that, let's talk about what we have coming up. So in, gosh, a week and a half in almost 10 days. Yes. We have the next Pendulum Party at Our Secret Spot. This is, I think this is Pendulum Party XXX. Is it? I think it's number oh, 30. Oh, wow. So Awesome. We have our, we didn't do anything special. We did something special last time because, you know, 29 is, you know, don't judge us. So, yes. 29 is the new 30. It is, and and for the record, 45 is the new 18. Uh, <laughs> so on August 25th, join us at Our Secret Spot. If you're coming, please let us know. Say hi to us. Don't be shy. Uh, it's going to be a fucking amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Also coming up in November, we have our escape to the tropics. Full resort takeover in Queensland. And I'm so excited to be somewhere warm with sexy people and just be able to let loose, be free, be sexy. Yeah. Uh, that is November 9th through the uh, 8th. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck. That is November 8th through the, 12th 13th third god damn it see i'm trying to i'm trying to to take days away from us and i shouldn't uh that is november 8th through the 13th look all you have to do is go to uh exclusively rhp.com or to uh by and and look just message us we'll we'll put you in touch or you can go to rhp and express your interest 
through there. That's right. It's going to be good. going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's some fun themes on board. That's right. And a few activities. So very much looking forward to that. And We're getting close to that. We're going to do a podcast where we talk about our themes and some of the things we have, um, you know, that we're building up to. Um, one hint right here is I have some people who have been saving toilet rolls for me for the past eight weeks. So toilet rolls, paper so, towel rolls. So many toilet rolls. We have so many toilet rolls. You might learn as to why in future podcasts, but you have to stay tuned. That's how it works. So this week, this week, we, I love when we get these random emails from people and it's this random publicist and, and I'm, I'm not trying to brag, humble brag, I guess. Uh, we get a lot of publicists that are like, oh, do you want to interview this person? And they clearly are not in the bi, queer, swinging, kink scene. They're just trying to get their name out there, which I totally respect. Like if I was trying to become rich and famous, I would shotgun myself out to everybody. But occasionally. I mean, at Pendulum, you do shotgun I yourself. That's <laughs> very It happens. It happens. Uh, occasionally, we get these emails from publicists who have actually done a little bit of work and they know who their target audience is. This, this happened a couple of weeks ago and the name that was associated with it was a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, so the publicist was like, Hey, do you want to interview Tristan Terramino? And we were like, yes, yes, yeah. we do. Hell yeah. And we haven't talked to, so we met Tristan at the swing set takes desire Many years ago. 2018? Mm-hmm, Pre-COVID. So 2018 and 2019, we were there. And and it was, yeah, she's just an absolute delight and was a lovely person. We had, you know, some great conversations and haven't talked to her since because COVID. So yeah. this was a really good opportunity to reconnect and catch up. So why are we interviewing Tristan, you may ask? Why was her publicist reaching out to us? It's because she has written a memoir. So Brilliant Tristan has done many wonderful books, uh, educational books. This time she's educating us on who Tristan is and why Tristan is the way she is. And it's a great read. It's called A Part of the Heart Can't Be Eaten. Uh, so, And it comes out in September, so very September soon. September 5th, I think. Like, She'll say in the podcast, yeah. I'm, I'm just all excited. But we did get to read an early piece of it, and it was great. Mm-hmm. So... Quick side note, she does say this in there. It will be released on audio, and Tristan is reading it. So she has a wonderful voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's best when read by the author anyway, because you know the inflection, the tone, what you're trying to convey. Yeah, she puts so, the emphasis on the right slide. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, even though we've read it, I'm tempted to get it on audiobook and listen to it. There's no doubt we will get it <laughs> on audiobook. Uh, one thing that's not said during the podcast, which I wish we had said, is it's not just words. There's pictures as well. She's gone mm-hmm. through and found these pictures, just both intriguing, sweet, kind, lovely, sexy, uh, smart. It's a lot of, it's a lot. It's mm-hmm. great. So um, I'm gushing. And you'll <laughs> you'll basically hear me gush. I was actually nervous for this interview. Yeah, it was cute. I have a I have a crush on Tristan. She's a wonderful human, and she's something. And she's that, very crushworthy. Yeah, yeah. I, I th- she's someone that I think that we should all kind of aspire to be. So yeah, without further ado, this is our interview with Tristan Terramino. Yeah. 
we are here with Tristan Taramino, who is a speaker, a sex educator, and a writer and host of her own podcast, Sex Out Loud. So welcome, Tristan. And would you first like to let us know what your pronouns are? My pronouns are she and her. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a very long time. It's it's. I'm very excited for this because... Like, I I just could gush over how great you are for a while. Um, but then it's not just your what you've done for the community, but also just you're a great human. Yeah. <laughs> and so nice. Oh, well, you guys are great, too. Well, okay, so how it, it's strange how time passes. And we have those we have these COVID years, which I feel like are 10 years per uh-huh. one year. Yes. Yep. But has it been four years, five years? It's been four years, 2019. 2019. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. But admittedly, I knew your name before I knew your face yeah. because I had read some of your articles in the Village Voice. I don't know when that was. Early 2000s? Was that when you were writing for them? Yep. Uh, yep. So that's how your name first popped into my into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> but then when we... But met, then we got to meet in Mexico, which yeah. is like... Amazing. And, yeah. and, and it's... Uh, we've got gotten to see you, Dom. We've gotten to see you speak mm-hmm. and present. Yeah, it's it's kind of I, I can't help but gush. <laughs> oh, you guys yeah. are so sweet. I'm just excited. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> so I will oh, say, you guys are so I will say, one of our boyfriends uh, down here in Australia, when we told him that we were going to be interviewing you for the podcast, he got all excited because he met you on your a book tour that you did in Sydney at a little place called Max Black. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, so I haven't been to Australia in a minute. Um, I came and did the, uh, the explore festival in Sydney. I did Max Black. I went to Melbourne and did a bunch of speaking engagements there. I was, I was, I was in Australia for two weeks actually. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, and it was, First of all, I just have to say, like, you guys had avocado toast before the United States. Okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to put this out there to people because I had it. I, I saw it on a menu and I was like, what the fuck is avocado toast? Um, and they were like, oh, that's a thing here. Like, peanut butter and jelly, like everyone has it. And so I had avocado toast for the first time in Australia. Um, and I just had the time of my life there. Really, really amazing people. I got to see amazing play. I mean, amazing food, everything. That's great. Art. I have art that I brought back home with me uh, from from a like an art market in Melbourne. I mean, it's yeah, I love it. I want to come back so bad. Well, you should. You yes. Should come yes. Back. Definitely. We, we will host you. You can stay in our playroom. <laughs> now I have a place <laughs> Yeah, but he was saying, uh, he was like, oh, man, she's she's so brilliant. She's so talented. She's mm. so smart. And like honestly, the, I think that as a speaker and presenter, one thing that's great about you, uh, and we'll touch on this in a minute while we have you here, is your lived experience. And you have this really great ability of making complex, what can be complex concepts, pretty simple and relatable. And I think that's important for public speaking, which leads to, oh, go ahead. Wait, but did you? go to my gangbang class in mexico no that was one we we didn't go but um the gentleman uh, went right yeah our, our boyfriend because that was the first time i ever taught it oh. and 
I've been teaching it lately. Uh, I'm about to teach it in person for the first time in like four years. And I taught it online. And it's like one of the classes that really I got so much good feedback at Desire about. And it really helped like shape that whole class. And I'm just so excited. It's like after you've been teaching sex workshops for so long. And yeah, like I'm, I'm down to teach anal 101 whenever anyone wants it. Like there's a new person discovering anal sex, like every day they need the info. But right now, like the gang gang class, like completely has my heart. And I'm like, <laughs> I get so jacked up about teaching it. it. <laughs> and it originated, it originated in Mexico. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So the gentleman was at the first one. Yeah. Um, and I remember him coming out and going, that was amazing. And, you know, <laughs> again, we had already known that you were, there was you were great we knew that but then the problem was you were also very popular yes. uh, everybody wanted to be around you so we were like all right well we'll just we'll give we'll give her space but then we ended up going to your anal 101 where i still have this beautiful memory i know what this one is and i love it <laughs> of you and your um I guess, um, bottom, bottom, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a bottom, but you had this amazing butt plug that was a tuning fork. Yes. I love that. And as you put that into their bottom, uh, it, honestly, I, I can still think about it and I'm like, mm, I need to, I, I have looked for those <laughs> tuning fork butt plugs. No. So here's the thing. First, it was a one of a kind toy. That particular one was a one of a kind toy. Then I worked with the designer who's actually here in LA. His name is Ray Serino. And he's like one of these mad scientist geniuses. Mm. And we worked together to produce a very limited run. So I think less than 20 of those exist in the world. Oh, wow. Seriously. Like if someone has one, that's a huge collector item. <laughs> um, but it's like one of the greatest, ideas ever invented because it's a, it's a butt plug it's a metal butt plug and it's a tuning fork and when you ding it on the end it vibrates inside you i mean and and it's but it doesn't feel like vibration from a vibrator right it doesn't feel like motorized vibration so it's an entirely unique experience everyone loves that toy i i love that toy i mean i i have that toy in my drawer as we speak so if you ever make more, please <laughs> remember okay. your loving friend. Maybe we should do some sort of anniversary. I mean, interestingly, uh, I follow Ray on Instagram and he is, has devoted his life. He was a burner, right? So he's really into Burning Man, really into art. Um, and now he's devoted his life to permaculture, right? And so he's doing all these really creative things. Like he can make an oven with like a used, satellite dish and the sun cool wow i mean it's like wow. again you know the genius transfers right so yeah. like it used to be sex toys now it's like other stuff but he's so he's so brilliant i love it <laughs> well that toy definitely looked fun yes and yeah. and if you don't call it an anniversary then you <laughs> this is our anniversary toy <laughs> oh my god yeah in and turned on <laughs> yes yes I'm here for you. <laughs> okay, good. Please use me. <laughs> That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I still, I think about that. That thought probably pops into my mind every six weeks. And, and it was not only the toy itself, but the joy that you got playing with it and just seeing the look on your face, it was so much fun. I mean, I'm someone who, when I'm topping, you know, I, I mean, certainly I can be like, 
serious and stern and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I can be a disciplinarian if that's like what it calls for, but my nature is to really have fun and laugh a lot and, and be playful. I mean, I feel like that's what kink is for me is just this incredible space to, to play, you know, to like kind of shed all of our everyday stress and some of our everyday roles that we take on and really just have fun, you know? So it's like, we can't take ourselves too seriously. We're putting things in each other's butts and doing a bunch of other stuff. I mean, I don't know. Is that how you guys feel? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It should be fun. But I I, I will say there is, definitely it should be fun, but I will say there is this sometimes, and I don't know how you deal about with this and if you have advice on this, like, when people see you in a scene, they see you as this scary dom top, but then they see you outside of the scene. And I think that I know that people do this with Angela quite often mm-hmm. is that they think that she is always who she is in a scene. So they are either afraid of her or they're like, yeah, they, they've just got this fear. And admittedly, I think I did that the first time I met you. And I was like, oh, man, she's, <laughs> she's going to whoop me. I mean, I'm going to love it, but she's going to whoop me. <laughs> <laughs> but then I remember having dinner with you and you were just this, like, you were a glass of champagne, right? You're, you're just light and funny and bubbly. And it was such this, it took me a minute to be like, okay, cool. But there's a different side. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, you know, I think that's also a great thing about kink is like, we can play with these different sides of ourselves, right? We can develop these other personas and we can explore, you know, I, I, I am naturally bossy. So I'm bossy in my life 24 <laughs> seven. And anyone who knows me will tell you that. Um, so, so some of the dominance like never leaves me. But I, I also, you know, have a very playful side. And, and actually, lately, I've been, um, I've been thinking about bottoming lately. Whoa. And oh. I know, I know. Like hold the fucking phone, right? Because I've been, I've I've been a dom for like twenty years. I've identified as a dominant, and I'm starting to identify as a switch. And I'm, yeah, it's been really interesting to think of. I, I came up as a bottom in the scene, right? So in like the nineties, uh, in the early and mid nineties, I came up as a bottom and a submissive. I'm not a good submissive, just so you know. Shocker. Um, but, <laughs> but actually now that I've, now that I've had more BS relationships, I, I can be a really good submissive because I know what I expect. So I would just hold myself to my own you know, standards. Mm. But, 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 but back then I was, I was, I was in it just to fucking get hot people to fuck me right so I was like I guess I'll follow the rules but I wasn't like very it wasn't like I had like the heart of a submissive it was like I will do what this person says so I can get them to fuck me that is great that's, I that's love the best that. reason ever that's that just awesome I'm only filing the rules until you fuck me and then the yeah rules are mine. exactly exactly so it's a little so I feel like bottoming now for me is like a little more nuanced mm. and it's about kind of exploring that part of me that's been, I don't know, maybe in hibernation a little bit. Are there certain types of play that you're more interested in bottoming for than others? Like are some areas of more interest? Yes. Um, I am, you know, I identify as a mommy. Uh, I'm a mint green hanky on the left. 
And I haven't done daddy play. You know, one of the things I that is in my memoir is um, all, there's a lot of daddy play in my memoir mm-hmm. because again, I was super into that. And this is like, as I'm coming out into kink early nineties, um, really into leather daddies. And that, you know, that part of me sort of just, it didn't retire, but it just sort of like, I don't know, it like went on a shelf somewhere. It was in hibernation. So, yeah. And so um, I'm interested in daddy play. I've noticed myself noticing some dark green hankies, people who are flagging daddy at some leather events. And I'm like, hmm, what would it be like to like go back there? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's weird because as you get older, like you think, okay, like I have a pretty good sense of like my sexual identity and this is who I am. And actually it's, still changing. I can still surprise myself. <laughs> I think that's something great though, right? I think I, that's healthy. I do yeah. too. Yeah. I think that as soon as, as soon as you sort of become hard, you become brittle. And when you mm-hmm. become brittle, you break. And so as long as you mm-hmm. can say like this beautiful, fluid, flexible kind of thing that, that you're, you know, never, I don't like to say no to a lot of things. Right. Mm. Um, but I think it's fun. I think that's healthy. I hope it's healthy. <laughs> it's also good to keep exploring and learning about yourself and growing in different ways. And, and yeah, and we never quite know where that path is going to take us. So it's fun just to kind of go for the ride and see where you end up. And if it's not a good place, then yeah. backpedal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. And, and, you know, as my body ages, like I can do different things than I used to be able to do, you know, like I can't, uh, I can't kneel for four hours anymore. <laughs> Yeah. My knees would just like give way, right? So I have to come up with like other creative things to do uh, with my body. But I also feel like I have so much more experience and knowledge. And, you know, I give so few fucks now. It's like, <laughs> here's what I'm into. Are you into that? Cool. And if you're not, that's cool too. Like we're not a, we're not a match. It's not a thing, right? So you talked about, uh, you mentioned your memoir, which is admittedly the reason that we, uh, that we're here, <laughs> but, uh, technically, I, I mean, whatever, right, right, right. but, uh, you know, you've written many books and you've been editor on many books, uh, everything from the ultimate guide to anal sex for women, um, yeah. down and dirty sex secrets, a guide to creating and sustaining open relationships. But now, which these were all sort of educational, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're mm-hmm. teaching people, but now you're really opening up and talking about yourself and who you are in your new memoir. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I have in fact written a lot about myself before. I mean, certainly I, you know, chronicled my sexual adventures in the village, vo- in my village voice column. Mm-hmm. I wrote a column for Hustler Taboo magazine. I wrote a column for On Our Backs, right? So I'm kind of used to telling people, you know, like why I love enemas, right? (laughs) And I feel no shame or anything about that, right? I have no anxiety about that whatsoever. But this memoir is, is really different for me. I mean, it was really, really hard to write. And I feel like I'm revealing parts of myself here that, I haven't written about publicly that I haven't discussed publicly and it's hard to kind of, you know, bring that other wall down. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, people used to say like, Oh, I feel like I know everything about you. And it's like, you know, everything I want you to know about. Me, right. But you don't know this. 
And so this was really a challenge for someone who has written in the first person before, because some of this material is, is hard. It's really hard. So what was the impetus? Why now? Yeah. I mean, I probably three or four years after my father died of AIDS, I knew I wanted to write a memoir about our relationship. And I just, I would sort of like start and stop and start and stop. And I, it felt so overwhelming. And so I I feel like I needed a certain amount of distance from it, right. To even go back into it. And so I started writing, I mean, I think I started writing it, what year and time and day is it? I mean, I feel like I started in like 2015 and, and I was like on and off and then COVID hit and all of a sudden uh, I had a lot of time on my hands, which I know a lot of people did. Right. And like, I could only organize so many things in my house. I love organizing, you know, like I catalog, I archive, I scan, like pictures, like, you know, love letters. I mean, they're all organized. Uh, but then it's like, okay, that's done. That's one week. And then now, now what am I going to do? And so I finally decided, you know, to sit down and, and really do it. Um, and it was really rewarding. It was also painful. It was cathartic. It was fun. It was hell. It was all the things. Did you find you needed therapy as you wrote this? Or was writing it the therapy? Oh, I was in therapy. Uh, <laughs> I was in therapy, but also remember it was COVID. So I was in like online therapy, right? Um, yeah, I was in therapy. I've been in therapy for uh, over 25 years. Uh, so I'm someone who just like therapy has been integrated into my life since I was in, in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. There, there were some therapeutic elements of this. Um, I mean, one thing was just, one of the things I do in the book is I, I include passages from my dad's memoir. So my dad was gay. He came out in the 70s, left my mom and I, and then we reconnected and we were really, really close. And he got AIDS um, in, the, in the 90s. He, he was only, he only lived for about two years. Because he was he was diagnosed with full bone AIDS, not even HIV. Um, and so I began to read his memoir, which was never published, and I never read all the way through as I was writing my own memoir. Oh, wow! And so I include a bunch of passages, and you know, a, a few sort of things emerge. I mean, one is like these themes, right? These these themes that get passed down from generation to generation that you're not even aware of necessarily. Right. I mean, this is just this is like somehow coded in your DNA and you're like, huh. Oh, that happened. Oh, that happened. Oh. And so that's on the one hand, it's it's really interesting to sort of see those parallels and then also to see the real differences. I mean, he came out in the 70s. I came out in the 90s. Really, really different experiences. He was plagued by homophobia, externalized, internalized homophobia. He really, really struggled. You know, and for me, I mean, the chapter about my coming out is called My Closet Has No Door. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, kind of summarizes that it was a little bit of a sachet. Like it was not, it was, you know, I came out to an incredibly supportive community. Um, My parents were fine with it. Like, 
you know, my friends were great. And so uh, just one generation removed, I mean, this is the story of two generations of queer people. And just one generation later, it was radically different for me. And do you think, I know that coming out is never easy and we all have our own journeys with that. Do you think that your your uh, decision to come out at that time, was that aided by the fact that you had been exposed to queer communities and queer culture earlier in life? Yeah, absolutely. So my parents had gay friends, um, both, both, both my parents. I knew gay people from when I was born, right? So... Uh, there were gay people just around, you know, and this is before like a lot of gay representation, you know, Melissa Etheridge, Ellen, they're not out yet. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, and then I went to Wesleyan, Wesleyan University, it's sometimes confused with other places. It's in Connecticut. It's not all one gender. Uh, it's mixed gender. And Wesleyan is like the queerest place on earth. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It's probably, if there's a list of like the top 10 best schools in the United States to go to for queer people like Wesleyan is always on that list. It is just insanely queer and also just fluid and experimental and everyone's a little bit bisexual and no one's sort of judging anyone for trying some stuff out. So coming out into that community was, it was like cool to be queer and it was fun. And there was an instant, you know, there were student groups and, and, there was community members. And so I think that had a lot to do with it. You know, it's, it's always about the sort of context, right, in which you come out. And I just came out in a super queer, friendly place. And at a time that where society was starting to become more, more accepting, it wasn't, the, it, it, it wasn't where we are now, but it's, it's interesting. So looking, um, I've got, I took a couple of screenshots of, of passages that I liked from, from your memoir. And one of them is you're uh, talking about um, how your dad's parents had a list for how you could tell if somebody was homosexual. I'm going to read the list. It's short. Uh, for so that's that. from that. Yeah, that, that I, I took from his memoir. Go ahead. The so list of how these you are how you can tell if someone's homosexual. <clears throat> uh, they always wore a hat. Had a goatee, worshipped Judy Garland, always had fresh flowers in the bathroom. Like, I find that, like, I love that because I think it's really interesting how many of our friends always wear hats. Like, (laughs) goatees now mean, or at least for me, mean that you're the evil version of yourself from a different universe, right? Because I grew up up in the 90s. Uh, Michael Knight with a goatee was clearly evil. Right, right, right. He wasn't gay. He was just, but like, then you think about it, like, is that why? Is was that was that pop culture saying, look, mm. gay people are evil, so let's give the because everybody with goatees are gay, let's make them evil. I mean, I think this was a thing that went around in his family specifically. You know that that's what I mean. He he, he experienced homophobia in a way that was not like sort of generalized. Like we are, you know, we're socialized in a culture that's racist and sexist and homophobic it was like on a daily basis someone in his family was making a gay joke was trying to make fun of someone else by calling them gay was like coming up with this mythology of how you could tell someone was gay um and so it it's sort it's like ridiculous when you read it it's quite funny right because it's entirely random i mean it's just it's super random and but it speaks to the time, right? This is like in the 19, 
60s, even in the 50s, right, where people are so deeply closeted and there's so many sort of weird myths about how to tell if someone's gay. And his family, it's, it's, it's really strange because his family was like slightly obsessed with talking about gay people and trying to root out like gay people in the community. Was that guy gay? Was that neighbor gay? You know, and so to grow up as a gay kid in that family, I mean, it was rough for him. It was really, really rough. Yeah. Yeah. And and you talk about in, in your memoir about the generational difference, like you've already said here, how different it was. And he's got a list of words um, shortly after that passage that then you immediately say that you would be proud to wear silk screened on a T-shirt. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's I see that as hope for our future and the way we treat uh, our, the trans community. And, and like maybe in another generation, these kids will be able to be supported the way, you know, they should be. But I absolutely loved that um, you say, talking about the word queer, queer is more than a sexual orientation because it transcends sex. That right there. I love that. We, Angela and I have used the word queer to define ourselves in the past um, and have been told we shouldn't use that word because it, you know, and these are by other people who are gender queer. Yeah. Okay. But but like, like, let's just hold the phone. Um, I've seen how you interact both sexually, (laughs) politically, and personally with other people. And it seems like, you know, there's not an exact litmus test, but (laughs) it looks, it looks pretty queer to me. Like as a queer person, it it just, uh, I never like was on the fence. Like, are they or aren't they? I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, if I get get Tristan's, if we get Tristan's uh, seal of approval, I'm going to put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. I mean, I don't have like the car, you know, I can't laminate the card for you or anything. I'm just saying that, you know, you've got a lot of the qualities I think of as, you know, Yeah, I think it does go back to, though, people making judgments and inferences based upon what they see, because they see us and we look like your typical heterosexual couple, right? And not actually getting to know someone and and just kind of making that snap judgment. So I think that's where a lot of it comes from. And like you said, like people, some like these people in particular would think of the word queer as in genderqueer. And so, again, it's just, you know, different interpretations, but ultimately... If if you think the label fits, then go for it. And that's that's always been my attitude. Yeah. Is like, well, if if you're self labeling, yeah, right. If you self label as something, that's great. Like, mm. good for you. Yeah, exactly. And and I think things have changed. You know, the the landscape right now for queer kids. I mean, queer kids coming out in elementary school, mm. and there being all these support systems and networks. And I feel like if you talk to like a tween or a teenager right now. They are very casually are like, I'm going to the dance with my boyfriend, but his girlfriend's going to come join us later. And she's bi um, and, and also has another person. But, you know, everyone's poly and it's cool. And I mean, like, you know, I, I like want to snap my head around and just say, wait, what? Everyone's what? Everyone's what? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we fought. We fought those fights to, to live in this world. It's, it's actually really exciting that people have like so many options and we have all this language now to help, um, to help us realize who we are, to help communicate it to other people. I mean, I, 
I sort of, I love it. I feel like this is what part of the revolution like was supposed to do and, and did. Um, and that feels amazing. I mean, it, it feels amazing that people are coming out younger and younger and are being supported. Now with that, of course, we have, you know, in the U S especially right now, a tremendous backlash, mm-hmm. right? So we've made so much progress for queer and trans rights that there is now such a united group of conservatives, of Republicans, of Trump, of Trumpers, who you know want to take all that away, essentially, right? Um, so it's like every time we kind of see progress like this, there is the counterbalance of people saying, wait, 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 we, we are not on board. Nope. We want to regulate this. We want to um, write policy about it. We want to outlaw it. Uh, we want to control your health care and your access to it and your fucking bodily autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always hopeful that that it's just like mud stuck to your boots, right? The farther you walk, the less there is clinging to your, to your feet. Um, so that's what my hope is on that. But it I mean, there, the mud here is yeah. thick and deep. Um, and it's, it's a scary time. It's a scary time to have loved ones who are trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming. And it's a scary time to be a queer cis woman also, who also doesn't, you know, have, I don't have bodily autonomy, according to uh, the state I live in. Yes, but. You know, if I moved to Florida right now, if I moved to Texas right now, uh, it would be a different story. Yeah. It's, Which is just, it's just mind boggling. It is. It's just awful. And it's interesting, you know, we, we've been away from the U.S. now for almost a decade. And mm. I think it's easy to forget how that is. Not you necessarily. Know, how, it, how it is there. Not necessarily to forget, but. You do, but I guess we don't feel the gravity of it as much. Yeah, anymore. We don't see it on a daily yeah. basis anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Occasionally it pops up to the, on the news, but mm. you know, Australia in general and, and Sydney very much so. And, and then even closer to where we live, we live in, in, you know, the, a queer capital in, in Sydney. Um, <laughs> and it's not perfect, but it's, no, it's no. a lot better, but it's not something general. that we often think about. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and we see it, you know, in the way we behave, I'm sure, but mm having been raised in the u.s but yeah it's it's depressing so mm-hmm. go, if, if you're listening to this and you live in the u.s make sure to vote yes exactly exactly in everything from from in everything council. in the <laughs> in the school board i mean it's yeah. happening at every level it's it's local it's statewide it's national it's happening at every level yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so let's um we'll take a break there One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So we're going to interrupt this amazing interview with a wonderful human for, you know, things to keep the lights on. First thing up is adamandeve.com. Look, Tristan knows butt stuff and you know where to find the best butt stuff toys. That's adamandeve.com. So go there, use checkout code by the by that's B Y T H E B I. And you can get any item at 50% off. You'll get free, free shipping. You'll also get six videos on demand and some extra things thrown in your box. I have recently gone through some of their butt toys because, you know, it's time to replace. It's like, you know, the, 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 the seasons are changing. It's time to get some new things. They've got some great stuff if you're into ass play. And if you're not, they've got stuff for you, too. All you have to do is go to adamandeve.com, use checkout code by the by, B-Y-T-H-E-B-I. And remember, you get one item at 50% off, free shipping, six videos on demand, and a bunch of extra things thrown into your box. Curious Humans Game. You've heard us talk about it. We love it. This week, we have another card from their Kinky Humans little box. And the question is, probably not one you want to say in front of your parents. I don't know. Maybe you do. Be kind of curious what mom and dad thinks about this. The question is, or the statement is, I like the taste of cum. All right. So we're supposed to guess true or false. Yeah. I'm going to say that you would say true. I would say mostly true, yes. Uh-huh. I like the taste of cum of people who eat pretty clean and healthy, don't uh, smoke, yeah. and have not had, uh, is it coliforms, Ca- cabbage, broccoli, mm. cauliflower, Brussels sprouts in the recent... Uh, if that's recent all your diet consists of. If that's all your diet consists of, <laughs> probably don't want to eat your cum. Uh, but For most people, though. Most people, I would say yes. But stay tuned for a upcoming episode where we talk about a cum sucking story uh, uh, that uh, that very much uh, I enjoyed the taste of the cum. Uh, Angela, how are you with cum? Uh, agreed, same as you. So I generally do like the taste of cum, but if it is somebody who's a heavy smoker or you know that type of thing, this is like I said, some foods. But it but it's not like a one off, right? Like it has to be routine. Um, but generally, yeah, I like the taste of cum. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, you know, if you, if we were in school, we would be summa cum loads. <laughs> Consuma cum loads. I don't know. There, there you go. So if you want to ask yourself and your partner and your friends and family questions just like this, all you have to do is use checkout code by the by at curioushumansgame.com and you will get 10% off. It's a great game. It's a lot of fun. A lot of laughs, guaranteed. 
by me. The summa cum loads <laughs> of this podcast. So on a on a more uh, upbeat uh, <laughs> note, there we is, can like shift gears, right? We're gonna I shift mean, gears, like mm-mm. like we're right. going in full from fourth gear, maybe to reverse, but definitely gonna back that shit up anyway. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, reverse is my specialty. So. <laughs> so there is another passage in your in your memoirs that I love, and it's it's short and it's it's quick, you know, it's relatively quick passing. But you talk about basically getting into the shower with a lot of your mixed with mixed gendered friends and there's that moment where you're like and I, i'm paraphrasing but you're like what the fuck and then you're like okay this is normal <laughs> again the number of times i have gone to our secret spot or when we went to desire the number of times there's that little part in my brain that's like holy shit do you see what's happening <laughs> and then you're like yeah just go with it well okay this happened in high school right so i got in the shower with two boys and a girl and all of us got in the shower together naked in high school. So it, that was pretty radical. Uh, you know, I didn't show up at a bathhouse and get in the shower with a bunch of people. I was literally like with my best friend and my boyfriend. So, but there, there was something there, there is this thing. I know, I know shame holds people back a lot. Right. And that could have been terrifying for someone else. Um, but for me, it felt normal. And and also, no one was freaking out about it, right? Like, no one was like, oh, my God, what are we doing? Or like, oh, my God, don't look at my body. Or, you know what I mean? There was no panic in the shower. Panic in the shower. That would be a good panic game the of the band. Um, or maybe that should have been the title, Panic in the Shower. Um, but, yeah, there was no panic. And so, and, and I think that's kind of you know, one of the tenets of my work, right, is to like normalize all of this stuff. Mm. It's to stop kind of stigmatizing marginalized folks, marginalized sexual practices, different kinds of sexual identities, different kinds of sexual play, right? And really just saying, these are all normal, right? This is all normal. Uh, it's not, as long as it's not illegal and abusive and non-consensual, like let's, let's all as adults play in whatever way we want to play. And, and sometimes it's just about kind of modeling that behavior for people, right? That for me, like talking about anal sex at the dinner table is appropriate conversation, right? We, we have to stop sort of sequestering our sex talk, right? Oh, that's, oh, you don't sit out and play company or like you wouldn't like tell someone at a cocktail party that you just met that you like wrote a book on anal sex. It's like, well, I would. And, and, and truthfully, if they want to know more, they'll stick around. And if they don't, they'll walk away. Mm-hmm. So it's like self-selecting. <laughs> you know what I mean? And more often than not, they, they say, they say they have questions. They want to tell me about stuff that happened to them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, you know, I think one of the best things about the swing sex community um, and and that event of desire is just how normalizing um, it's normalizing it is for just the ways that people interact, the way that people negotiate, the way that people are very straightforward and upfront about like, hey, I'm looking to do this. Anyone into that? I want to plan the thing on Thursday night. Someone want to join, right? Um, I feel like it creates 
such freedom for people mm-hmm. to then kind of actualize their fantasies. And and the thing is, it it feels like a playground because we don't have a lot of spaces where we can actually be that real with each other, that filthy, that greedy, that horny, that sadistic, whatever it is, right? We don't have a lot of spaces where we can be that open and everyone around us is just like giving us a high five, you know? And if they're not giving us a high five, they're like, hmm, that's not my thing. I'm just going to walk over here because like right over here is my thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. It is like, I liked how you equate it to a playground because it really is. And I think that we should have more spaces like that in life. But I also think how you were talking about, you know, different conversations of topics, maybe not being acceptable at the dinner table and whatnot. But I know like Bradford and I, we don't shy away from conversations and topics in any part of life. And we do find that people are a lot more accepting. They're more open. They're more likely to then be comfortable talking about anything. Because if you're saying that, oh, no, we can't talk about this thing, then it's like, oh, what else can we not talk about? And people start walking around on eggshells. Whereas if you just let things kind of go naturally, then I think people are more comfortable. And there is then more opportunity to ask for what you want and to maybe have different kinds of, of play or relationships or anything like that. Yeah, it's the only Well, that's like the modeling part. See, when you guys are like super blase about we have a playroom, you know, we have a second room and it's our playroom. We have a boyfriend. I, I guess you have more than one boyfriend now. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not, obviously I haven't gotten the press release, uh, because last time I saw you, you had one, <laughs> but I think you said something earlier that made me think of like, oh, they have more than one boyfriend. Yes. Okay. Yes. So when you're very matter of fact about that, when you, in the ways in which you talk about it, that gives people, other people permission to then be honest with themselves, mm. if not with other people. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I, I don't know. You know, I, I probably picked that up from that swing set group, which is when you don't make a big deal out of it, it it isn't a big deal, and that's something that we try very hard with the like our colleagues at work. Yeah, um, we we talk about our boyfriends and our partners and what we've done on the weekend because my attitude is I'll give you the chance to to say no, thank you, but if you ask a question, mm-hmm. it uh, our I think both of our attitudes is always it takes more courage to ask a question than it does to answer. Because when you ask a question, you're putting yourself out there. You're saying you Mm -hmm. have ignorance or you have interest in something that you're doing. And if you can be that vulnerable with me to ask a question, well, hell, I can answer it honestly. Well, and I think there's this, you know, there's this myth. I love when people are like, you know, oh, I totally support gay people, but like not if they're just like always talking about being gay and they're like super out and, you know, and it's like, I don't want them to be so gay. It's like heterosexual people talk about their relationships, their dates their marriages, their partners, every single day to each other. And so the idea that it's perfectly fine to talk about it if you are straight, cis, married, have kids, have, you know, a conventional, we're just going to call it in quotes, conventional life, that's fine. Then you can be like, oh my God, like I got my period in the middle of sex. And you're like, you know, you're at the water cooler. And you're like, oh my God, I got my period in the middle of sex and, blah, 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 and everyone's fine with it. But once you say, oh, I have two boyfriends, everyone's like, you don't need to share that much. I mean, it's, it's literally a double standard. Like, it's literally a double standard. And the only reason people have anxiety about it is because it challenges these norms, right? It, it, it's confronting to a lot of people because 
I really believe that when people who have the most issue with non-monogamy, you know, people who get like real riled up real fast, you know, they, I think they're often kind of afraid to examine what their relationship options might be, mm. right? Because once someone says, oh, hey, I'm doing this and like, I'm having fun and, you know, it's lasted for a while and brings my, me and my partner closer together and, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like they're confronted with the idea of, wait, I only thought there was one option. Yeah. Now there's people standing right in front of me who I know who are exploring these other options. Oh, does that mean those other options might be available to me? Or am I actually like stuck in this box? Mm -hmm. So I, I think people get hostile sometimes um, when they find out that you're just not, you're doing something that's non-normative. Yeah. And it, it's a shame. Like, why can't we just be happy for other people? Well, I think, you know, there's competitiveness and there, and people are really invested in who everyone is having sex with, who they're marrying, what they're doing, you know, all this stuff, which is like, why do you care? What I, I'm in my house right now. The shades are drawn. Uh, I, I have some good solid walls, just so you know, because uh, I, I test them. So I sit outside when the dogs are barking. You can barely hear it. I love it. Um, and so... Yeah, I'm in my house doing whatever. Like, what is it even your business, what I'm doing? And why are you so preoccupied with what I'm doing, with what my partner's doing, with, like, anyone's genitals, like, the bathroom they're using? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of preposterous, right? But we also get a lot of that with reality TV. And I think that people, because on reality TV, you see into people's lives or what, you know, is perceived to be into people's lives. And then... Maybe they think that now they get to have that level of detail about everybody's lives. Hmm. Interesting. I'm a reality TV fan, so um, <laughs> I I love television, and I'm like from the highbrow to the lowbrow, right? So I'm like from the Crown <laughs> to the Bachelor, right, and everything in between. Uh, so I'm I'm unapologetic about that. But uh, and I have been watching uh, Love Island. Do you watch Love Island? No, we don't it's watch a lot really of It's really one of the trashier, super, super trashy. <laughs> um, and I mean, basically, like the, the premise is a bunch of singles are going to come and live on this island. Although one year they filmed it in Vegas on a roof. <laughs> so okay. uh, Las Vegas is not nice. Um, <laughs> but let's just, okay, let's just keep with the theme of Love Island. And everyone has to only wear bathing suits for First of all, oh my gosh! <laughs> like they told them, you can't bring clothes. The only things that are acceptable for wardrobe are bikinis and possibly a sheer tiny cover-up of some kind over the bikini. Oh my god! That's all they wear okay. all the time. Um, and then they're like swapping partners and getting to know people, and then new, new people come in, and you know, all, all this. All it's like a whole rigmarole, but. Ultimately, it just sort of reinforces these really traditional, I have to find the one, uh, you know, this is going to be a person for life, we're, you know, we need to be 100% compatible, I'm not 100% compatible with this person, so it's like, I guess I have to just let them go and like move on to the next person. You know, it's still heterosexuality at its, you know, most rigid. Yeah, that's... Um... Yeah, we I, I, we've not seen that. No. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> I'm sure some of your listeners have. Sure they, they know what I'm talking about. And there's about. no sure. judging. There is no judging. Yeah. Look, I watch dumb YouTube videos. That's like, yeah. Um, but I have heard of. Is it beneath the decks where it's like the people who work on? Oh, oh 
don't get me stopped. It's below deck. Below deck. Sorry. Oh my god. Okay, Bradford, this is a fairly new development for me. Below deck, like it's been on. You know, it's been going on for several years, but I just got into it, and I'm completely obsessed with it. And it's turned into a whole franchise. So now there's below deck, below deck Mediterranean, below deck adventure, below deck down under. So that's the oh. that's the um, oh, no. they go on Australian. So it's all about this these mega super yachts, incredibly wealthy people renting out these yachts for like usually about three four days, um, and then the staff who is like toiling away twenty four hours a day, they are living in literal broom closets while uh, you know while the, the the people upstairs are having lobster like for a snack you know, and getting anything they want. Mm. Um, and then, it, of course, all the people on the staff are incredibly gorgeous. They're young. They're horny. They start sleeping with each other. And, you know, the drama ensues. I love it. But I'm super obsessed with that show, Below Deck. <laughs> you you got to check it out. We, we at least check out the Australian version, because the Australian version actually has some of my favorite characters on it. Okay. Yeah. We've been told we yeah. need to watch We've it. We've been told we need to yeah. watch it. So like, all right, we'll give it a go. And we've been told to yeah. go. <laughs> it, we should do like a below yeah. deck. No, you do. It's really, it's, it's addictive. It's addictive. We yeah. do like a below decks at like a swingers club. Like it's all, <laughs> you follow the staff around. Oh God. At OSF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of none of the relationships ever work out. I wonder why. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a there's a thing, there's a, there's something kind of honest about it, which is like you live in Majorca and I live in Wisconsin, right? <laughs> and so people go into these things knowing that they're gonna be casual or knowing that it's just gonna be for like the run of the of the yacht season. And so sometimes people try to date outside of it, but then you get to the reunion and they've all broken up. Um they're the just I think they're season. just a little more practical like they're not there to meet the one so they're often just kind of having fun and you know being chill about it well i also imagine that a relationship in that kind of environment you take like you said that same relationship outside into kind of more of a regular world and of course the experience is going to be completely different right because there's so many other things coming at you and so why many- <laughs> I do like, like you said, Brett, for the idea of having a yacht season. Yacht season. Uh, darling, darling, should we take the yacht? Oh, it's not quite yacht season. Don't we have to wait till the beginning of Labor Day, don't we? Is that right? <laughs> I don't know why. Although, when you're yachting around the world, it's summer and warm somewhere. You could yacht all year. You could yacht for your whole life. Oh, my God. Are you just saying if you're rich enough, every season is yacht season? <laughs> I mean, you know, for Jeff Bezos, every season is $500 million yacht season. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Ugh. Yacht privilege. Ugh. Yacht privilege. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, okay, we're going to circle back a bit because uh, I just want to get your opinion on a word that you used that I absolutely love, and that was play. So we often talk about when we want to have sex with somebody, we use the word play. When we want to have a kink scene with somebody, we use the word play. And we often use that word. So I guess the question is, what does that word mean for you, to you, and how important is that word? Yeah. Well, it's also a great point because I think some sort of old school BDSM folks would say play only connotes BSM play, right? It only means like a scene or you have a play partner, right? It's only kinky. But 
but you're right. It, it really does apply to, to everything. It, it basically applies to recreational pleasure and sex, right? In all of its forms. Um, and that's why it's such a, a great word. And again, it's, it really speaks to the kind of spaces that we co-create with the people that we're with to, you know, explore different aspects of ourselves, different kinds of activities, different kinds of pleasure. You know, it's like, it, it is like being in a lab and kind of experimenting. And, you know, I think I feel bad sometimes for folks who don't have access to sexual play you know, they, they more like have access to sexual routines, uh, sexual obligations, um, sexual norms, right? Uh, and that can get real boring real fast, yeah. you know? And, and that's why I think play encompasses all, all the kinds of things we do, including like dressing up for the play. I really love dressing up, uh, as you know, and you guys are some of the best dressers at Desire. Oh. The theme night were epic. Um, epic. So, yeah, so I think uh, I agree with you that I use it for things beyond just kink. Mm. And it's really to to mean, you know, any kind of kind of recreational stuff that I'm doing with someone that is sexual or kinky or both. Yeah, it's it's something we talk about a lot because I feel sad for adults who, you know, at some point from becoming a child through adolescence and becoming an adult, they are no longer allowed to play. Um, they might be allowed to play sports or, you know, cards or something, but it it's not, it's very much confined to a box. Structured. Right? Yeah. It's very structured. Yeah. Very good point. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like more people would be happier in general if they allowed themselves to play and allowed others to just play. And sexually is the best way, in my opinion. <laughs> and, and it's giving people okay. that permission space to be able to do it. Yeah. Okay, do you know my theory about Disneyland? Can I, can I tell you about oh, Disney please. World? And- yes. Okay. So, you know, Disney World and Disneyland, it's, it's, it's international. It is so popular. It's kind of mind-blowing. Because not only is it so popular, but, like, people will, you know, have entire vacations built around it. Um, they will spend way too much money. Very expensive. And they will also wait in line for hours, (laughs) right? Just to get on a funny ride that like doesn't last that long, right? So for me, and not being like into Disney characters or anything, I was just like always like, I'm entirely perplexed by this. Like I just (laughs) don't understand the appeal. Some people I really love are really into Disney World. I'm like, I don't get it. But having been there uh, just a couple times, what strikes me is, first of all, there's people in costumes, a lot of dressing up. There's adult women in princess outfits. There are people wearing animal ears of various kinds. There is role playing going on. Uh, and there's a lot of fun. And so my theory is that, like, if you don't have access to that kind of play in your own life, right, in your own community, with your partner, with your friends, if you don't have access to, in this case, like sexual play, you somehow need to still get it, right? It's still so crucial to our well-being. And so Disney World becomes that outlet where people can uh, not act their age, right? Um, People can dress up. People can be sort of silly and playful. 
Um, when I think about it, 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 it just makes way more sense to me. I love it. I never thought of Goofy as a furry. Goofy's <laughs> <laughs> all around. There's furries and there's princesses and I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. I love it. Hmm. So that's a nice little introduction for some people there, then. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It could lead to something else. You could see how it could lead to someone else. Like one night someone says, hey, I know I only wear that sort of night costume when we go to Disney World, but what if I put it on tonight? <laughs> Might that, like, inspire something, maybe? <laughs> right? You can see how it could be a gateway. It could be a gateway to good sexual role play. Oh, that's great. <laughs> no one fucks like Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Precisely. You're getting it now. You're totally, we're on the same page now. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, I am a big Disney fan. I actually worked at Walt Disney World. Um, <laughs> oh my God. So, so what do you think about my theory? Like, what do you You're fucking spot on. Absolutely. When it was kind of cool to watch people from the parking lot to the front gates to inside the park. So I worked at Magic Kingdom and we would walk in and you would see as people got closer to the front gates, the way they held themselves was different, right? So, you know, they've parked the car. That's reality. That feels like reality. And so the men are all stiff and the kids are always crazy. But occasionally you would see couples that had no children. I think those are the ones that we really want to watch uh -huh. in this kind of situation, right? So they are very stiff, but they're excited. You know, you can see they're happy to go to the on holiday. Then they get to the gates, and there's that bubbliness of, you know, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And then once they cross that that gateway into this magical world where a kid can be a kid kind of thing, they both they they start giggling, they start laughing, they buy their ears. They relax. They're body relaxed, language is different. Body language, even though you're right, they're standing in line for an hour and 45 minutes for a three and a half minute ride. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess three and a half minutes is longer than some people get. I mean, some okay, people... Okay, sure, on a ride, sure. sure. <laughs> like some people wait that long at OSS for a ride, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> The beds get covered up, but it is, it's really cool. And people tend to smile more. Mm -hmm. um, as the afternoon drags on, it, they tend to frown a little more because they're exhausted and they haven't done this kind of thing in maybe a long time. Mm. It isn't, I think you're well, spot on. Yeah. So uh, see, this, this proves my point, right? That it's, it is a play space for people yeah. who may not have play space in their ordinary lives. Yeah. Yeah. I find that. We need more play spaces in ordinary life. We do need more play spaces yeah. in ordinary lives. That's, I find that, yeah, I like yeah. it. I approve. Well, I think we create our own, right? You're like, you're in your play space quite literally right now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you and you're in your play space that you created. So, yeah. um, yeah. So we have to, we have to make it for ourselves, right? It's funny that you say that. So I, I don't know if we've talked about this yet on the podcast, but so this play space has been, we've been living here for almost two years mm -hmm. um, and it's been evolving since we got here. Right. So right now you can probably see we've got a, a sex swing that's it's, it is collapsible, but it stays up permanently. Mm -hmm. We had had a, like a day bed couch in here for a while. And what we found was like, it took up it and the swing took up too much space. So Angela... Starts, and it wasn't movable very and, yeah. easily, whereas we like to have configurable furniture. So Angela mm -hmm. goes online trying to find configurable furniture for adults. Can't find it. So finally she just searched like play furniture and she finds this fort building stuff for, for kids. Yeah. 
Um, so like we've got four of these. There's wedges. There's, it comes with wedges. Like it's amazing. Literally, this is yeah. a sex wedge. Yeah. <laughs> from Liberator, but this is for fort building for children. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, if you're out there and you want to build your own play space, <laughs> fort furniture is great. It's comfortable. It, it's great for sex. So it's called okay. Just to get the Google search correct, it's called Fort Furniture Kids Fort the, the Furniture. The brand of this one is Possum Play Couch. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably an. Also, I love possum. It it probably is, but yeah. But honestly, I just googled play furniture because I was like, or playroom playroom furniture is what I googled because I was thought, oh, maybe like if we find something kinky, that would be okay too. No, no, No. just it's all kids stuff, and that's it. But that's okay because we can use. We're just big kids, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But from a from a sex place, I mean, like. These are these are perfect. These are great yeah. kneeling pads, yeah. um, or under a queening chair. It's something to lay your head on. It's like it's really great stuff. <laughs> oh, and it all just fell over. Some of it did anyway. <laughs> you rescued I'm <me>. okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's gotten lost in the quote unquote fort. <laughs> He's, he went into the fort and he's missing. Well, I'm going to put a sign outside that says "No conservatives allowed." <laughs> <laughs> but that's the other thing is you can make it into like a little, um, like a I'm going to say like a shed or like a doghouse. So like <laughs> so so Bradford can throw on his fox gear and then kind of go inside this little space while I'm playing with somebody else. That's nice. That's sweet. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, just to, again, derail the conversation mm. and just sort of ramble on about things because you're one of the few people I think, uh, that we know who would be as excited about something that we've ordered that's coming in. Um, yes. Oh my God. So our dear friends, if you, you should follow them on Instagram, candy coated latex are building us a, or a Fox inflatable suit. So it's uh-huh. in a Fox. Yeah. So you know how they have like the inflatable pvc style pool toy suits it's like sometimes called like a like i've seen these demos of it where you like you pump air it's made of latex and you pump air into it yes yes okay exactly okay but mine is going to be a fox suit in my fox colors so purple black uh i am literally chomping at the bit to to play in this and i'm oh here's a picture okay so these friends they came down to sydney uh and and they brought some of their gear so that we could play because we wanted to try it out we didn't want to try that we never tried it and right and it's expensive if you don't know if you're into it or not oh my gosh wow so what i'm looking at listeners is (laughs) on the right there's someone in a sort of inflatable tiger suit and they're in and with a full hood, with a full headpiece. And then they're kind of dancing, embracing someone in like a purple periwinkle. Oh, it's a dragon. I was like, it has wings. Yeah. It has, it's a dragon. Okay, it's a dragon. Uh, and it has a big, big, those big seats, those big dragon seats. Yeah, and that one had the detachable uh, head. I mean, that, first of all, perverts are the best. <laughs> I mean, the things that we come up with, the art, the sheer art and innovation that people will go, go to and create for their kink is is breathtaking, actually. It's amazing. It really um, is. And, and, it really is. And I am so glad that they shared this kink with us because yes. it was so much fun. My cheeks were sore for a week because I couldn't stop smiling. So that picture was Angela and myself. Yeah. So Angela was in the Oh, tiger. okay. 
I didn't see. I didn't see who it was. Okay. Angela was in the tiger. Who was the tiger? Wait, Angela. what was going? I don't. Angela was the tiger. Okay. Yeah. And then I sense. was in the dragon. Yeah. And we had some other friends over as well. So we all took turns trying it. And like, it was just, everybody had so much fun. It was, it's still, I think back at it is one of my light up moment. Uh, Cause who thinks about trying that? That's the thing. And then now I'm like, why did I wait till I was fucking 40 something to try <laughs> this? What is wrong with me? It's funny that like, sometimes we don't, know everything there is on the menu right and then someone we see it at a party or a partner brings it to us and says hey have you ever thought about this and all of a sudden it's like oh no i mean that's never been on like a list of mine that hasn't even been on the maybe list i don't i don't know know." and then we try it and we're like oh my god this is one of my favorite things now (laughs) and that's exactly how this went it was it was one of those things (laughs) i just figured that out I totally relate to that. I totally relate to that. Yeah, I knew you were the person I needed to tell. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Mm. So let's, uh, in wrapping up and closing, I, I just want to say shout out again to your new memoir. When does it come out? Yeah, so my new memoir is, uh, the pub- publication date is September 5th. Okay. It's called A Part of the Heart Can't Be Eaten. Mm-hmm. And you will find out in the memoir what that means, because uh, everyone must know what that means. And, and But I'm meaning to intrigue you. Um, and so you can buy it wherever they sell books. It's going to be available in ebook, print, and audiobook. Uh, I read the audiobook. I'm really happy with how it's coming out. Super excited about that. So if you're into audiobooks, because, you know, you're listening to a podcast right now, so maybe you're into, like, listening to people talk. <laughs> And yeah, and then people can find me most, the best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm just at Tristan Terramino. I'm, I'm on these other platforms, but I would say that I'm most consistent and most active on Instagram and, and not for nothing, people, my DMs are open. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) My DMs are open. So slide, slide in and uh, make your pitch. I love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Your evening, our afternoon. Uh, you, you've got to come to Sydney. Yes. Well, I did, you know, just so you know, because of the time change, you know, we really had to, it, it's like an odd time, right? So it's Friday night. I was invited to several things tonight because it's Friday night in the big city. <laughs> and, and so I told people that I, I actually have a date with Angela in Bradford and it's <laughs> going to be really fun. So like, I don't need to go to your like, you know, gender nonconforming strip club or you're like, you know, like, you know, queer film screening. No, I'm, I'm actually meeting up with <laughs> this really hot couple it's going to be super fun. I've met them before. So that's what I've been telling people. Everyone's like, what are you doing Friday night? I'm like, I have a date. I love <laughs> it. You too. I have a date with you too. <laughs> also, thank you for giving up your Friday night. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's no problem. I, I really, um, it is really hard to talk to people in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the accent. Yeah, it's the accent. Sometimes it's it's like like dollary dues. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. Yes, thank Kristen. you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, when you write your next book. Yeah. Well, hopefully, 
hopefully I'll come to Australia. I mean, I kind of want to, you know, all of Indonesia is kind of on my wish list for travel. And so I could sort of do a combination just on that side of the world, I realize. Mm -hmm. And also, I've never seen the Great Barrier Reef, um, which is like, a, you know, a dream. I don't I don't know if it's a dream for everyone, but it's, well, it's a dream it for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I haven't been in any of the like, you know, like Adelaide and some of these like smaller towns. I've, I've only ever been in the cities in Australia. So I've never seen outside the city. We won't tell that people in Adelaide that said that Adelaide's a small city. It's a smaller oh, city, but it's still smaller, it is, small, smaller. It is the capital of that uh, of that state. <laughs> I just don't, you know, what if I'm an American? I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, it's just classic American bad geography. It's fine. Honestly, when I lived in the states, I didn't even know about Adelaide. I was going to say I didn't know Adelaide existed. Okay, okay. So, that's great. I love it. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. <laughs> and uh, thank you for your time. That was so exciting. It was such a good time talking to Tristan. I'm going to need a few minutes. I hope that you all learned something, enjoyed it. I hope you laughed a bit. Yeah. It's, uh, I, it is one of those things. I love Tristan because... She can be the scary, scary dom, and she can also be the sweet, kind girl next door that you just want to tell about all your crushes to. And <laughs> yeah, she she makes me smile in the best possible way. Uh, so thank you very much to Tristan. Thank you to your publicist for reaching out to us. What? How random? I loved it. Uh, yeah. And please go buy her book. Yeah, you, check it out. It's a good read. You won't be sorry. I promise. No. It's really good. Uh, it's very sweet. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. And we will see you next week. Feel free to email us, theadamsoflove at gmail.com, or you can message us on any of our socials. We are at By The By Podcast on all the crazy socials out there, Facebook, Instagram, and others. Or you can join us on our Discord chat. Go to patreon.com slash by the by podcast and support us at any level, and you'll get an invitation into our Discord chat. Or go to our website, www.bythebuy.com.au and reach out to us via the contact page. You can also find out where we are via the events page. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining we'll us. See you next week. Bye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.